listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. And we're not, just kidding, we are your resident best friends here to help you along your relationship journey, especially during this coronavirus pandemic where relationships are especially more important than ever before. So we're here for you. We are here for you. Think of us as your very own fun fairies, bringing joy to the process the best we can, sprinkling love dust all over the place because Lord knows you need it. And it takes a village to date and we are your community. And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend. This is very helpful, guys. It shows everyone that we have a loyal and growing audience. That helps us bring you fabulous offers. And it keeps the lights running in our little village over here. So help contribute. Do your part. We're all in this together. And we're all in this together because Lauren is about a month away from having a baby. So she and all of the other new moms out there need some help. Whether you're like pregnant and about to go into labor or you just had a newborn baby, we have writer, actor, and director, and also co-founder of Don't Call Me Mommy, Haley White, in to discuss the shit no one told you about relationships and having a baby, how to be open to open relationships, the societal construct of monogamy, and how to use the isolation period to own your sexuality and pleasure. Haley is the comedy girl who writes, directs, and sells original comedy to brands and media platforms around the world. She's a recovering starving artist and a proud multi-hyphenate writer, actress, director. We call those slashies. She has created series for parents, FabFitFun, Mommy.me, and viral content all over the internet. Her hit digital series about mom life, The Shit No One Told You, garnered over uh, 5 million views on Mom.me. I mean, whoa. After reaching the pinnacle of acting fulfillment with one-liners and questionable clothing, Haley announced she was quitting as you know, many actors tend to do. She then realized there was a better, more interesting way to navigate this and took it into her own hands. After writing a handful of sketches that will never see the light of day, her YouTube shorts with her partner, Megan Dyson, started gaining views and features on Hello Giggles and Funny or Die. And they realized mm, they were onto something. That's right. Together with Megan, Haley created the hit digital series, Dated, Named Largo Film Awards Best Comedy and hailed as Better Than TV. It's pretty funny, guys. Having her son just after the release of Dated, she found a new brilliant source of content, Parenthood. In 2018, she launched the comedy content studio Don't Call Me Mommy with fellow mom, actress, and producer Samantha Gustad. Don't Call Me Mommy produces scripted content and oversees production from concept through to final edit and social promotion. Her new show, Off Duty, features guests like The Bachelor's Ben Higgins and our favorite catwalker, Kat Sadler. She's a mom but doesn't want you to call her mommy. Welcome to the show, Haley. (laughs) That's an amazing intro. Thank you so much. Don't you dare call me mommy. We will not. Don't worry. Uh. (laughs) Meanwhile. Lauren, what are you going to be called when you have a baby? Like, do you, have you thought of that? I mean, I guess mommy. I don't even know. I honestly have not thought about that because guess what, guys? I don't even have a name for my child yet. We're calling him Creature right you now. You don't need to have a name. Once you see it, it will come to you like a vision from the universe. I, I mean, 
come on, you know? I know, but did you have like any ideas when you had your child? Because like, I don't even know, like, I mean, there's a couple that we like, like, but then we're like, I mean, I don't like, I don't hate the names, but I'm like, yeah, this is a good one. Like, but shouldn't I be like, oh my God, it's this, this is the name. I don't know. I do feel like you need to be, oh my God, this is the name. I, I'm not really OCD, but I had like an extensive list for, I mean, so many names. And I realized I'm like, I wanted to be like, when I saw him, I would know. So that it will kind of be floating around in your head. And then yeah, maybe it will come to you. I also had a friend who had a baby and like, she didn't have a name for him for like four months. So <gasps> what? what did you call him? Ran the baby. Her fourth child. But yeah, she didn't have a name for, for many months. So you know what? Like you do you girl, you do you. But like, what did they call him? They, I, I mean, they would just say him, I think. It wasn't it, – it, it became kind of weird. I would see her at preschool drop-off and like, so how's it doing? That's awkward. And also, this is like – again, you know, we sort of mentioned earlier in the show that this is the shit no one tells you. Like, you think when you watch these cute TV shows and everyone's got this beautiful name for this baby and the baby comes out, by the way, not bloody and completely clean, which is odd, you know, that this yeah. thing – has this name and this personality and it's so simple because it's magical and a beautiful experience but like some people don't have a name for their kid yeah no a lot of people don't so you're you're good you're good boo you're gonna figure it out it should come it, it will just all it would all it will all happen I'm a little usually I'm a little more like neurotic about stuff like this but I've realized that right now um before this pandemic happened which we will get into but um, there was so many things happening at once for me anyway. Like I was planning a wedding and then we kind of decided like, um, maybe we don't do this. Maybe we have a baby first because for us, it feels like a more natural order. And like, so there was like a wedding being planned and then we were like trying to have a baby and then we got pregnant and then we bought a house and then we're renovating the house and now I'm pregnant and the pandemic's happening. And so it's like, there's so many things happening at once that I haven't gotten neurotic about the one thing. Like if I was just having a baby right now and that was it, I'd probably be super neurotic about the fact that I don't have a name, but because there was like a billion things happening, I'm sort of like, okay, well, I... I'm kind of like on the train of thought of what you just said, like, it'll just happen. I'm sure I'll figure it out and I'll, the baby will have a name and I'll just deal with it when I deal with it. I'm <laughs> having a moment realizing all the things that you're dealing with right now. So yeah, like you don't need to worry about a name right now. I know. Right? I'm, seriously, that's insane. I bow down to you. Oh yeah, it's like an important thing that needs to happen, but I'm kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll get to that when I get to that. But like, speaking of the pandemic, how have you and your family been dealing with this whole safer at home isolation thing? So real talk, I was debating. <laughs> I'm actually shocked I'm not pregnant right now. We are, we've been like debating a second kid. Do we, don't we? And I am so grateful right now that I don't have a second child already because it's a lot. Um, I think like everybody, it's like the weird, like, roller coaster of emotions. Like I already am like that naturally. I'm like my highs are really high, my lows are really low to be super transparent. But I I think that, you know, we were just talking about we were just having dinner and we were talking about our gratefuls every night and we were just saying what we're grateful for. And I'm like, I'm actually grateful for having dinner together every single night, having like we're we're together all the time. And so I still like my husband. Like we're not divorced yet. I'm not pregnant yet. So I'm just taking that as a win. 
(laughs) And, And my son's three years old. And honestly, like it's insane trying to juggle work and Zoom calls and he's like naked in the background. But I also <laughs> feel like, like, oh, that's just my son. There's his ass. That's all good. But I also feel like he is such a light right now because he's oblivious and it's actually amazing because it keeps me going every day, you know? Yeah. So that's been, been pretty, pretty nice having him. This, despite like, you know, five minutes ago, I was literally like, like to my husband, like, please take him. I'm going to murder him right now. So, you know, you have good days and bad days. And so you said that right now you you're you like your husband, you're not going to get divorced. That's amazing, especially <laughs> in the world of dating and relationships where it's super hard. How do you even find, how did you find a husband you actually liked? <laughs> Great question. Well, we have a crazy story. I met him. We're both from Colorado. We went to the same high school and never knew each other. So I met him um, on New Year's Eve. We made out in a coat check. <laughs> Oh my God. After I was, I was in college and he was already in LA. I never saw him again. So we had this like old, like old tie. And then he like found me on Facebook six years later and we ended up going on a date and I was like, oh my God, I think this is the one. And so it, we, the, the answer to your question is, look, I mean, we all hate our husbands at different times, right? But we have such a, like, a similar sense of what's normal which I think is really helpful. Like our view and our perspective on the world is very aligned. Um, also, when I'm a psychopath, he's pretty like even keeled. Like he's very strong and steady. Um, we, the quote for our wedding was, um, you keep me safe, I'll keep you wild. <laughs> and oh. I think, yeah, I think he's kind of like my my strong and steady one where I can kind of be all over the place and he kind of like anchors that. So that helps. <laughs> so you compliment each other. And that's like, I mean, the annoying thing when people say like, you complete me or like, I found my yeah. other half. Or you just found somebody who's whatever matched your whatever. But like that also has like, look, we can, I love talking about relationships. And so that also is very hard because we are very different so that we also bump up against a lot of stuff. And to be honest with you, we started, we've always had like a kind of a great relationship. We never really fought a lot. But then I realized that there were things that we weren't talking about. Just because we weren't fighting doesn't mean they weren't there. So we like got into therapy this year and it's been amazing. We're still doing like Skype calls with her um, during the pandemic. And I, and even, and I told him, I'm like, we're not, things are really good, but I want to be great. I want us to be better than ever. And we've been together now for 10 years. So it's like, you're always, you, you know, you're always finding new things the longer that you're with someone so it's like a never-ending you know journey yeah and it's not it's kind of like it's not smart to wait until things get all like erratic or bad to then start to address them like relationships take work it's not saying that there's something wrong I I think that's the stigma with going to couples therapy or therapy even if it's just personally like something's wrong sometimes there doesn't have to be something wrong like you just need to go uh, flush something out, or you want to get on top of something, or it's just you mm. want someone to vent to, or a third party, or anything. It doesn't waiting for something like crazy to be going on is almost like retroactive. It's like, well, now you now you're working from a deficit. Yes. So 
Oh. You're singing my tune. This is yeah. so, and I keep telling people like, my friends are like, wow, you guys are like really great. I'm like, yeah, but we're always working at it. And we didn't wait for like a bomb to drop to, to go. I'm like, why not? I'm super pro therapy. Like I'm, to me, like I always worry about someone when they're not in therapy. Yes. So like, it's, I'm Dang. all about it. <laughs> no, we're the same way. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like if you're not in therapy, what that says about you is that you need therapy and you're like oblivious <laughs> to your issues and lacking self-awareness. So like, no, I can't even go down that road. Yeah. It's like dangerous, right? Like you're, you're, you're resistant A and B, you have no ability to self-reflect potentially. So uh, it's, actually yeah. reckless. it's reckless and it's rude because people need help and I don't want to deal with you unless you've gotten it. <laughs> Preach. Thank you. So has isolation taught you anything about your parenting skills like (laughs) that other people need to know? Like maybe you thought you were a really good patient mom and now you're like, oh shit, my kid's always naked and I kind of don't care because I have no patience left. Oh my God. Oh, how much time do we have, honey? (laughs) I'm like, oh, yes. I think, look, I think that I was living a frantic life. I filled, I'm such an extrovert to like a fault that I'm like, people, things do it all the time. And I have realized that I need to be very present with him. And it wasn't like one more thing on my list. So my goal lately, because I am still working or trying to work has been when I'm with him, I don't look at my phone. I don't, I'm not checking emails. I'm not answering FaceTimes. I am 100% present. So it's kind of forced me. It's almost like I'm realizing who I was before this and how I don't want to continue that. And I don't want to be this mom that's always fragmented. Um, so if anything, it's kind of done like the opposite. It's made me, made me look and realize like, this is how I want to be. Like I need to really, really focus on being present. Cause that's all they want. Like he he wants to play ice cream shop in his. He got a new bed, a bunk bed. All he wants to do is I just walk in and do different characters for like an hour, and that that is like the his happiest place, ice cream shop, and me wearing different hats. Like we don't have to do anything fancy, and that's what I realized. So that's so cute. And yeah, kids are you know usually pretty simple with stuff like that. So I was a nanny for like fifteen years, and I get it. Like it's yeah. just a little bit of focus, and they're just like in this dreamland that you're kind of you can easily entertain with that. So that's a great piece of advice. Just like kind of let let other things go and focus on them, even if it's for like twenty minutes. It totally occupies their time. It's great. Like I am gonna need to remember that because I'm yeah. about to have a baby, yeah. and. But of course, I'm pregnant, so I'm not even there yet. But like, I, you openly discuss like your journey towards motherhood and and all the shit people don't tell you and all that, which is so up my alley, Jen's too, because like we just like we want to hear it, like the honest answer. So, what mm-hmm. your, and I know this might be a little different right now with the world around us, but like, what is your best? piece of advice to give about the birthing process? Because I'm like super anxious about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Here's okay. So my advice is that everybody else's advice is bullshit. Okay. <laughs> it's crazy after having gone through that and talked to so many friends and women in my community who've, who've, who've had babies, every, I'm not joking. Every single person's experience is so different. Like for me, my birth was amazing, but my week before it, I had contractions that didn't lead to labor for a week. But that never oh. happens to anybody. I never heard that happening to anybody. 
And like, you know, everybody will have their own thing to shove down your throat. And the truth is, is your journey is going to be something that is totally different than what you've heard probably from other people. So I think letting go, letting go of all the things that I think the more that you try to control it, you know, cause there's a thing, it just, I had an amazing birth and I, why you know, though, like, why did it feel yeah. amazing for you? I mean, just curious. And I think oh, you're right. My, well, issue, my issue is control. And the fact that okay. I know I have no control, it's like freaking me out. That's why it's giving Within me practice. Control. Yes. So question. So, um, are you, are you open to having like an epidural or whatever, or are you like yes. all natural? Yes, I am. Actually, I did play with the thought of having to have this baby at a birthing center if the hospitals were not allowing the partners to be oh. in the room. Um, and that could, right now it's not a thing. It was a talk that like woman and doctor in mother and doctor in the room and that's it. And I was like, yeah, I'm so sure James is just going to drop me off at the hospital and be like, call me when you're done. Like, I don't think so. That's like, insane. By the way, I can't even wrap my head around that. That's insane. Then, like I heard that news, got off the phone and burst into tears. Like, Ugh. are you kidding me? I am not doing this by myself. So if you do it at a birthing center or at home, that's clearly not going to happen. But, and I'm fine with those things. I'm open to that, but I wasn't planning on it. So then that started making me feel this anxiety that like, I have to do this thing now. It felt like, um, like catastrophic, like mm. the world's coming to an end and you have to have the baby in your closet. Like that's how it felt. I was like, Oh my God, no, what is happening? But to go back to your question, I was into potentially having a baby at a birthing center or at home. That was a thought that crossed my mind oh. years before. So would I have the baby without an epidural? Yes, but I planned on going to a hospital and let's be freaking real. Like there's an epidural there. I'm probably going to take it. Maybe I won't, but I am open to it. I don't have a plan. Yeah. Because I know if I do, I'll try to stick to it and then I won't be present in the moment. And that's then I'll what move. I did. Yeah. Uh Okay. So that's, so that's what I did. I, all my other friends had like a 12 part plan and I was just like, yo, I'm so overwhelmed. I, I can't like, whatever I want, whatever's healthiest for the baby was my, my plan. And the truth of it is my friends who had those very extensive plans, like it ended up going to shit because it changes. And so I think you get so attached to a plan and then you're disappointed that it's not what you wanted when it's like, the goal is to just have a healthy baby, you know, I'm so happy that you can have a partner, by the way, in there. Cause that, that's a whole nother layer. I, I can't even imagine not having I, a partner there. Yeah. That was Ooh. scary. Yeah. So scary. But I, I definitely think having a plan is going to prevent me personally, but it, probably other women from just like, I don't know. I just know so many women that had plans and guess what? Like 98% of them all had C-sections. So I know. And I didn't have a plan. I had a beautiful birth. So to be fair though, I had, like I said, I had contractions. It's called prodromal labor. Don't even bother Googling it, but like it happens to very few people. But so for by the time I got there, I had been in contractions for a week. I was like, shoot. I was like, I shouldn't say shoot me up. That sounds terrible. But I was like, yeah, I'm ready for some medication. Cause I had been in so much pain before. Um, so I was like blissed out. We had my soundtrack. I don't know, bring a diffuser, bring your music, uh, like make okay. it feel cozy as weird as it, that sounds. Like I kind of brought all the things and made it feel cozy for me, you know? Yeah, that's smart. I think I'm going to do that because I'm going to need it even more now. Going into a hospital right now is like oh a terrifying thought. You, that is like the end all be all. Like don't have a plan and that's like life, What you know, life is what happens. No, what is it? Life, what is the damn saying, Lauren? I, I think it's 
life is what happens when you make a plan or something. When you oh, when you stop making plans, I don't know. You know, there's a saying out there somewhere that, that I. Oh my God, Carter! My son is talking trash to me right now. Get oh my God! Out of here. Did you hear what he said? No, what did he say? He said you are mean. I'm gonna throw you in the trash. Get him out of here. Oh my God. Welcome to your future life. <laughs> that is the shit no one tells you that your kids are going to call you trash. Love it. No. Some respect. Parenting 101. But okay, so obviously Lauren is going to have no plan and a plan, and all the things are going to happen no matter what she cares. Like whatever she plans is going to be what it's going to be. Now, She's then going to want to possibly breastfeed because everyone starts wanting to breastfeed and then they like figure out what works for them and their baby. What does she need to know? Because I'm like, should I hang out with her? Is she going to be leaking on me? Am I embarrassed by her? Do I take her in public? Like, what do we do with Am Lauren? Am I going to have to go milk myself in a toilet? Let's yeah. talk. Did you, did you hear my story about that? Yeah. Yeah. We need you to share. Oh yeah, girl. I was like, wait, no one's talking about milking themselves in public. And when I pub, I, I have a column called Everything's Embarrassing. And one of the columns um, was about me milking myself my first night out into a public restroom and a girl walking in on me, yada, yada. But no one talks about that shit. And it, honestly, it's, it's shocking because after I wrote that column, so many people wrote in, we had a second column featuring all of their stories about milking themselves into a porta potty. Um, what was it? Oh, a Sonic cup was a good one. Um, so, so yes, breastfeeding. I, I wrapped that up around six months cause I, I couldn't handle it anymore, but that's another, that's, a, that's a whole journey. I mean, what's fun about it is you can definitely squirt people from across the room. There's a lot of things that you don't, it comes out in like 100 different sprays. So no one ever told me about that. Just the sheer, the, the fact that your body can make milk is just beyond me. So they have these little test strips that you can, <laughs> that like tell you how like drunk you are. <laughs> so one night I came home and I was not sober. And I'm like, let me just test the test strips to see if I can use the milk. And they came out fine. And I was definitely drunk. And so I was like, okay, those don't work. So what I would do with the drinking, I would, I would basically, like after you nurse, I, I would basically drink like while I was nursing, <laughs> like one wow. glass, because it wouldn't hit, it wouldn't hit him yet. And then but I also feel like your body metabolizes very quickly. So unless you're like really drunk, you're not gonna, it's not gonna pass it on to the. Yeah, and you can. You can pump and dump too, right? Like it, unless you are like your milk supply is low or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you can you can pump and dump, but like at some point too your milk is so precious it's such a pain to do that. I also feel like you end up keeping the milk. Like yeah. <laughs> I had an episode I wrote where uh, one of my um comedy things where you you like have the the one the one milk with like alcohol but then you're like kind of like sprinkling it in the other bottles that are like the pure diluting <laughs> it a so, little and I also feel like that, to be honest, is a total your own journey. Like I don't want to say too much because I feel like everybody I know has a different journey with breastfeeding. I had a I had a fine journey. My son was really good with it. Um, I just don't like having a baby attached to my body for that that long. So I kind of wrapped it up right yeah. when I hit that six months mark. That that is hard. It is hard for especially women on the go, and you're doing so many things and have so many projects that I could understand, like. Just being, you know, all right, I don't want to be tied down to this thing. You did what you needed to. And also yeah. 
you got to let go of people's judgment with breastfeeding. It's That's like it. a weird thing. I agree. And like what you're saying in public, like I also just like, I don't, I don't, I didn't care anymore. I got so frustrated. Like, would you want to be eating under a blanket? No. <laughs> Does your baby want to be eating under a blanket? No. So after a while, it just became like, I wasn't like whipping out my tits everywhere. But at the same time, I wasn't like, I don't know. I wasn't super, super modest with it. Cause it just, you're doing it so often. And when you're, I think it's, that's why moms get so frustrated. Cause I, it, this is so many times a day, like for someone to make a big deal out of it just feels very selfish. So yeah, get, get, get used to, um, you're going to see a lot of her boobs. So it will be a bonding experience. And if you're really close, like my friend, she tasted my breast milk. That's, oh. that, that's a real test of your, your, your friendship right there. Jen, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that I'll do that, but like, I will be fine, Lauren, if you have to just like whip them out or like whatever you have to do, if you're dripping, I'll be the first one to be like, get it together. Like here's a napkin and I'll help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to bring you changes of clothes. I'm going to pack a baby bag for you so that I can take care of you when you're taking care of that baby. I need a baby bag and you can be my mom. Exactly. I'm going to do that for you. This is why every, every girl who has a baby, you need a bestie who doesn't have a kid because guess what? All your friends who have kids are busy. They don't have time for you. You need a friend who can actually commit. So this is why this is going to be beautiful. It's going to be perfect. Yes. And we're a team and it takes a village. So I'm going to be your village for this whole experience now. So let's say all of this pandemic stuff blows over and all of the things, you know, go back to normal. People can see each other in person again. They can maybe have sex again with like a stranger or somebody that they care about, but like couldn't quarantine with. What if if they want to get pregnant? Like, do you have any tips for getting pregnant? Is it hard? Is it easy? Do you do it on your side? Like, how do you get pregnant? Oh, girlfriend. I mean, look, this is, I got pregnant by accident. So, and I'm, again, I told, I'm shocked that I don't have a second baby right now. I thought for sure I would be pregnant again. Um, So I haven't ever had a problem in that department. However, I had never really, we kind of like pulled the goalie, if you will. And we weren't, we weren't really trying. And then it just kind of happened. And then now we're kind of like, you know, being safe. So I feel like that's a very personal journey. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably different for everybody, but like, I mean, you're, I think the main thing is, is like not stressing, trying not to stress out about it. It is easier said than done, but you hear all those stories of like, we were trying to get pregnant forever. And then we adopted and then we got pregnant. It's like, probably in your journey sounds like it may have been that like you weren't trying you were just having fun and living in the moment and I think that that could have helped potentially but like more importantly can getting pregnant be sexy like if you're if you're trying right obviously yes sex is sex but like if you're like oh my god it wait I'm ovulating today and you're leaving for work right now uh hold on you got to do this thing before you go like yeah. How, what is a tip to like make that sexy, even if it's like spur of the moment? Because it, it can be very transactional. Oh, so I haven't lived that life. So I cannot speak to that because we never, but my friend, my, one of my very close friends was going through that and she would like have her little calendar like, all right, I'm ovulating. I got two minutes. Got to put it in. I'm like, whoa, it feels very like, I, I, I just, it, that feels very stressful to me. Um, yeah. So we never had, had that. Yeah. It's, it's. It's almost like very like in the military or something. Someone like screaming orders at you. Two, two forty one. You got to get it in, get it out. I'm like, I don't yeah. know how to do that. 
Um, well, unless you're into that sort of thing, then maybe that's right. sexy. For you, then maybe that's what I'm doing. That feels horrible. Honestly, the transactional thing feels kind of weird to me. I think that would be like such a turnoff, to be totally honest. Like, I would be like, what if they left money on the table? If it, if you what? What if they left you money on the table? Oh, and now we're role playing. Yeah. But you got I to keep am- the money. You win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how much? And how much is definitely a big question, right? Right. Like, is it prostitution if it's with your significant other? Right. No. No. <laughs> Great. I mean, there you go. There you go. I, I, I love that. I think that might be the key. I think you might have just figured out the answer to your own question. Role play. Boom. Yeah. I used to tell my, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, now my husband, but he used to say like, um, he would talk about anal and be like, yeah, you know, I, I really think we, we should do this more. And I'm like, uh, okay, first of all, you have the same parts that I do. So if you would like to see how that feels, I am more than welcome to show you because I could yeah. perform that for you, first of all. And second of all, you probably would ask me less for that if you knew what it felt like. So maybe you should know. And third of all, if you do want it, then I don't need to pay my portion of the rent that month. And he would say, <laughs> that is so, you can't do that. That's like prostitution. And I'm like, no, it's not. We're together. Listen, it's worth it. It's worth my portion of the rent. If you knew what it felt like, you would probably be totally down with that. I, if you want it, then I'm rent free that month. Absolutely. Like, what are you getting in return? Because I mean, honestly, I, I, I told my husband, I'm waiting till 40 to have anal, but I'm like, you have to at least just like warm it up. Like you can't just like start, you know, met. No. So that that's absolutely fair. I am a hundred percent on board with that. So what happened? Uh, <laughs> he stopped asking. <laughs> It kind of became a joke. I mean, he didn't really, but I like, I mean, listen, in all fairness, I could do this to you and you're like, there's every excuse in the book as to why it's not happening for you. But I'm like, well, hold on a second though. Like you, if you're thinking about it twice and you, there's a reason that you're not. Yeah. I love that you turned it around on him. That, that was very smart. Could not help myself. So we're talking about dating and relationships, whether you're in a marriage or a partnership or whatever, like this uh, affects everybody, right? Like you could be wanting to have a baby and not getting married. You could just be dating and like having fun and discussing certain types of sexual pleasure things that are going on, whatever it is, this is happening for everybody right now because we're all in this pandemic together. And like everything is traditional relationships are looking different now, potentially like how do you even get into these relationships potentially? What do you think, in your opinion, this pandemic, like how is it going to affect traditional relationships potentially or how people like go into a relationship now? Because I don't know, we're all isolated and whatever stage you're in at a relationship, like you're moving on to something else and it could change the landscape. Oh oh my God. I love, so it's fascinating to me, like, how this will change humanity as a whole, how this will change us on like a global scale. It's like a, it's like what's so fascinating about it just to like step back for a second and then I'll answer what your question is like, we have one thing that is now shared as a, a, a shared experience from every type of person, every type of race, every type of demographic and, and, and class. It's, it's so it's, for me, it's, it's interesting to think how this 
can potentially bring people together. I think from the relationship standpoint, look, I think we're all going to be germaphobes after this, right? Like, I think that people are going to be a lot more cautious in some ways, but I also think that human connection is so sacred, like not to be cheesy, but I do think that human touch is so sacred. And and a lot of my friends, I've been like Marco polling with them who are single right now and they're not quarantined with a partner. They're like, I haven't been hugged for three weeks. Think about that. So from like the other point of view is like, I think that there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of sex, a lot of, a lot of Corona babies probably coming out of this. Um, I, I do think that people will maybe step back and take time to look at the way that we connect in a deeper way, you know? Yeah. We were wondering if like what it was going to do, like how it was going to affect people when we surface, like are right. people going to go crazy and just like have a bunch of sex because they haven't had right. any contact or are people going to be super germaphobe and like, worried about being with someone that you don't know and don't know what they're carrying or what they have. And so you're going to be more precious with it and, or you want a relationship because you're sick of being alone and you don't want to just like keep, you know, swiping. You want to like settle with somebody so that you have somebody there with you. Like it's probably going to be both, but maybe it's going to be one more than the other. There's going to be a lot of people fucking after this. I will tell you that much. <laughs> I do think I do think it will be both. I do think that people are going to be craving human human connection. Like, you know, when you even go outside right now and I see I don't I have a couple neighbors I do talk to actually. I I do know don't, I do know my neighbors, which I'm proud of, but I don't talk to random people on the street and like yesterday I had a half hour conversation when my son was like playing in the bushes with like a random neighbor. I just think that like people crave human connection. So I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, I mean, it will be interesting to see how this plays out, right? People might be more precious about like their connections with people knowing that like all of a sudden we could be back in a pandemic. But at the same time, like I'm single and quarantining alone. And like, I happen to actually really like my own time and like choosing when to interact with other people. So I wonder, and I also am like, I get annoyed quite easily if like somebody's personality doesn't line up with mine or like their sense of humor is off or like they make a mess. So I wonder almost for people like me that like are quite happy being, you know, by myself and with my own things that now I'm going to be so conditioned to being alone that like when I'm exposed to other people again, that I'm going to be hypersensitive to their like annoying quirks and not want anybody around anymore. That's very valid, by the way. I mean, because you kind of get used to like having things your way, right? And it's like once you get into that pattern for a long enough time, you're like, oh, you just got to find someone who will, you know, roll with roll with what you're roll with your vibe, I guess. You could also take the pressure off, though. Like, if you are the type of person who has fig- really figured out, okay, you know what? This quarantine and this isolation actually totally worked for me. And I sort of enjoyed um, getting to know myself a little bit better and having my o- alone time. And now, you know, I do, I, I'm not going to tolerate this or that. I actually don't like these things. Then when you actually start to meet somebody, you're sort of just going to be like, 
yeah, that's okay. Like, I don't really want to deal with you right now. I'm not really hurt by this, like moving on. You're not going to take it as personally if it doesn't work out with somebody or you're just going to be like, yeah, I like this thing and you're going to be more self-assured. I think it could just end up working in your favor. I think so. Now, the real question is, how is this going to affect either like cheaters or open relationships? Like if they can't, okay, let's just say you're quarantining with one person. You can't like bring other people into your house or go out on dates or like go to other people's homes because that's the whole thing. You're safer at home. So like, how do you think this is affecting people in those kinds of relationships? Because it's clearly putting like guardrails around things. Yeah, for people who don't fall under the social construct of like a traditional monogamous relationship, like that is, I mean, I don't know how that works right now, but then do you think like people are going to like with the sex and all of that coming out of this, like, do you think if you're somebody who wanted to explore that or you are exploring that, do you think it's going to look different outside of this? Like, will people be like less apt to mix partners up? Or do you think people will be like, you know what? I was self-isolated by myself forever. I never thought about a non-monogamous relationship, but now you know what? Like I kind of want human, human interaction and we're all connected. Like I should be able to date multiple people. Like, do you think it's going to make people basically with sex or relationships more open or more closed off? Well, in general, I think that society is moving more towards that. And I do think that it kind of becomes more of like a YOLO attitude. (laughs) Like after we've experienced such a disruption in our daily lives, I have to, I have to wonder that like people are maybe thinking like, well, what if, you know, like after you come out of something like this, you're going to be, you're going to be different. Like the world before this and the world after this is so different. So I almost think that people are going to be more like, well, what if, what if all those things that I wanted, I was too scared to even talk about or too scared to try. Why not? Why not now? Cause the world could end at any moment. <laughs> Clearly, you know, that, that's actually a really interesting perspective that you're living more like in the moment and like YOLO, for example, like you said, because yeah, like after something like this, you're like, uh, anything could happen, I guess. Why don't I just be real about what I actually want and throw the judgment aside? I think honestly, yep, that could definitely be the way people go. I, I mean, I love that because that's kind of my personality in general. So I'm already on that train. Um, but I do think it's interesting that people, especially in relationships, we kind of sometimes just tell ourselves that, it, you know, sometimes I, I just see it with friends of mine. We, we don't really speak up for what we want. We're not advocating for our needs. And next thing you know, 10 years have gone by and you're like, oh, what happened to that thing that I wanted to try or that thing I wanted to explore or whatever? And it's shut out and it's done. And then it's like, you know, too late. So I'm, I'm, I, I hope that 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 would happen, you know? But that's just me yeah. personally. <laughs> and yeah. so now with people, obviously, like this YOLO mentality, and they have a lot of time on their hands, let's just say, um, <laughs> and they have and they have their hands. What do you think about people <laughs> owning their own sexuality and pleasure right now? Like they've sort of got the time to explore, right? Okay, so I'm really passionate about talking about this. So I realized that, yes, first of all, yes, we have time to explore. And I do think think that as a woman for I'm just gonna talk for me personally like a lot of my life I felt like I was just like making sure that like the man was happy the man was pleasured I was never like really owning what it meant to like 
feel good on my own and my own intimacy. And the more that I started um, seeing these companies like Foria and like listening to conversations, like, they have this amazing like um, whatever, like sensual, like like oil or CBD oil or whatever. But I started like following these companies and and, and like hearing these conversations and reading these books and kind of like educating myself. And then suddenly I realized that I had been not really like owning my own sexuality, owning my own pleasure. I kind of been doing it for somebody else for so long. So I mean, in general and in the pandemic, I think it's really important to make sure that your own needs are met without just showing up for somebody else. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Um, In a very like, vague way. I could, I could talk about this for hours. Honestly, I, I think it's really important for women, especially because I don't know. I mean, I, you grow up so most of your life being told like not to have sex. And then when you finally can, it's like open, you know, it's like a whole world. And then suddenly it's like, you never have a chance to really check in with yourself, you know? And then when you become a lady in your thirties and I had a baby and suddenly you're like, Oh wait, what am I doing this for? Like what do I actually like? What do I, what actually turns me on? What, what, how can I advocate for my, my wants and desires with my partner versus just like making sure that he's happy? Yeah. I think it's about, no. yeah, you <laughs> have to, you have to, women, I think have a harder time with this. Um, mm-hmm. There's other things that play into people who have um, a hard time expressing their sexual needs and desires could be religion, race, anything like that. But women, I think all across the board have a more hard time with this because of just the society, like things that have been placed on us. And like, you have to be nice and proper and all that BS that then prevents you from feeling like asking for what you want either makes you look like a bitch or a slut or whatever someone's going to label you as. Um, So I think that this could be a really good time to like, reflect on that you've got a lot of time on your own like sit down and and figure (laughs) out like all right what do you want don't be afraid to ask for it figure that out and like be candid be as candid as you can with yourself and and don't feel like you're going to be judged and like can't being candid first of all is like our favorite thing we like the cold hard facts we want you to tell us how it is all of that like and we you know you have the column up on romper that everything is embarrassing right? Like, and so, and some people might think expressing their sexual desires is embarrassing. Like what are some other embarrassing things that you covered on there that like people might be surprised about? This has been my year of like sex, sex. And and I say that in a way of just like talking about it, owning it, being upfront, like being really transparent about what you want. So for me, I think the sex was the biggest thing after having a baby where it was like we had a baby and then suddenly it's like, okay, six weeks, you can have sex. And at six weeks, you don't want anybody fucking touching you. Pardon my French, but you're like, you don't want a other human even near you. And it's super painful when you try. And no one even told me that like they say, okay, six weeks, you should be all healed up. We have no like most, you know, if you have an injury somewhere in your, in your body, you would go to like PT, but in our country, we don't have any pelvic floor rehab. Um, and so suddenly you're, you think that you can have sex. And I think, I think that that was the biggest shock to me that, um, I have an episode called shit. No one told you, um, sex after baby. And it ended up being our most, when we were filming it, I was like, is this, I was asking my, my partner who was 
there with me. I'm like, does this, does this look like, like a porn? Does this look like I'm filming a porn right now? Or is it really funny? And she's like, a little bit of both. <laughs> and then it came out and we ended up having so many comments and so much engagement on it. It was the, one of the most popular episodes. I think it has like 2 million or maybe a little bit more views now because every woman was like, thank you. Thank you. It's not six weeks. No one tells you that. Your body needs time to heal. So I think that was something that kind of, um, what was like one of the parts that like you think people resonated with both, like with mostly because like, you know, maybe it's the pain or just not feeling like you want to be touched. Like, what do you think is the most, I mean, relatable? It's like, I think it's like the, when you, you finally try to have a moment where you're like, yeah, I'm feeling it. And every single time something would happen, the baby wakes up. I think, um, another, another moment was like when, um, you have your baby like in a bassinet at the end of your bed and you're like, can they, can she hear us? Is that going to be weird? Is that going to come up in therapy like years from now? I would totally think that. Oh my gosh. That would be crossing my mind the whole time. I do that now with my dog. I mean, not that I have pets are the same thing. So yeah, that was definitely a big moment. And like the guy's always like gung ho and you're the one being like, yo, um, but no, I, I live for the embarrassing stories. Honestly, like, I think that that's what brings us together. That's part of our humanity. I think that our embarrassing stories are what, you know, give us the transparency to be able to relate to people. So I could talk about embarrassing stories forever. I, I love them and I cherish them. I was at a wedding last year <laughs> and I asked, I I heard that there were two pregnant bridesmaids and I, one of them was obviously pregnant and I didn't know anybody. I didn't know any of the other, um, I, didn't, I knew the bride is my husband's like childhood best friend was the, was the groom. So I knew her, but I didn't really know any of the bridesmaids. I was kind of hanging with them and I looked up and I thought another one was pregnant. I said, Oh, how far along are you? Oh, God. And she wasn't pregnant. Oh God. no. It's like even hard to say it out loud. It was like easy to write about, not easy, but saying it out loud. It was the most traumatizing experience of my life. But after that happened and I wrote about it, I had so many women saying, oh my God, this happened to me. I've been there or I've also been on the other side of it. And we had a column with Sam when someone asked her if she was pregnant right after she had the baby. And so we try to show like both sides of it, you know, like we're just humans and, and, I mean, moral of the story is never, ever, and never, ever guess, never, ever say anything. Um, But it happened to her on the other side of it too. So it's just. Yeah. We have to remember that any of these things we are talking about are coming from so many different angles. Like, could you have an embarrassing moment asking someone that question? Yeah. What if you get asked that question? What if you're not wanting to have sex after baby and your husband does, and then he feels rejected or what there's every single person involved has a perspective. So talking about it opens the door for everyone to say, yeah, I experienced that. This is my perspective. And right now I feel like with everything going on in the world, connection and, you know, remaining like open-minded to things and how things are going to change and turn out. That's all something we need to be thinking about right now. And knowing that we're all connected and that everybody has their own feelings and perspectives on things that are happening to all of us at the same time is a good way to remember, like not to feel isolated and alone too. Yeah. I mean, I still cried in the woods for like a good three hours, like alone. (laughs) 
Was don't get it so twisted good. like it like was the most horrific moment of my life but I do think yes this this, this is our humanity this is what's going to bond us this is what brings us together with other people and is is like no matter who you are and where you're, where you're from like this is something that we all go through you know so absolutely and so how can everyone stay connected to you right now remind everyone where they can follow you and watch all of your hysterical videos and learn about all the things shit nobody and, ever told and you. Make sure to tell everyone too that there may be some exciting things coming up for you that you might want to be keeping in tune for. Oh my gosh, there's there's so many exciting things. I don't even. Oh, it's it's such an exciting time. But um, so yes, please, please, I am so grateful to be honest. And and please follow me. It's at Haley White. My name's spelled really weird because my parents were hippies, but it's H A E L Y White, like my transparent skin. Um, you can my my website's HaleyWhite.com. Um, my comedy stuff for for the moms in the world is at Don't Call Me Mommy, and our website is DCMM.TV with most of our videos. Um, yeah, and I have, I'm writing a rom-com right now that I feel like might change the world. And, you know, if it doesn't, at least I tried and a couple other things. So please, please come be a part of it and, and say hi. And yeah, I'm, I'm so honored to like have this chat with you. It's so refreshing to have a super transparent, like upfront chat about all of the stuff. So thank you for holding space for this. It feels like therapy. So good. all about and then remind everyone too where they can follow you personally on social media yeah so my social is just at Haley white on instagram and then Haley white on facebook um i don't really do twitter i mean it's just too many things right ladies i'm tired it's all the things and it's like i'm on tiktok now Haley white too i just started that you did it you crossed over to the tiktok you know what to be totally honest i was hired by parents as of this week to do a takeover. And so I realized, oh my God, I have to learn this. Like I'm actually being paid to learn this. And you guys, I feel a million years old watching these 13 year olds and being like, okay, it's not intuitive. It is not an intuitive platform. I will tell you that much. No, and I don't really understand why people memorize dances other people do and then post themselves doing the exact same dance. Like I don't need to see you do it. I saw somebody else do it like five seconds ago. Why are you doing it too? I'll tell you what, because I just posted one on my own. It is weirdly cathartic. It is, I can't, as a former dancer, I mean, I will say that skills have not stuck with me. I I clearly cannot keep up with these 13-year-olds. It is so fun. It kind of sucks you in. I was a hater, and now look, look who's on the train. So... I have no idea. I mean, I don't even understand how you learn the dance. I feel like an old person right now. I'm like, and we I all feel like old people. People can find you, Haley, on all those things. That's great. All across the platforms, everyone needs to be watching all her stuff. Hilarious, funny, and informative, which is great. And <laughs> do not forget to tune in next week for our new episode where we talk more dating and relationship stuff with our guests, the host of Shooters Gotta Shoot podcast, Erica and Molly. And if you want to join us in the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And it's complicated wherever you get your podcast, rate, comment, tell a friend. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meets, but not TikTok because I have no idea about how that works. <laughs> no. 
And you can follow me at Jennifer Golden on all the social medias as well and the dating apps. And I'll be on my couch in case you need me until further notice. But we will be back next week, as Lauren said. Love you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 